He slept in his parents' bedroom until he was 13. He wet the bed until he was 14. He doesn't know how to ride a bike. Apparently, he has friends. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. Wexel. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. I'm Evan Wexel, and this is a podcast where I interview a different Facebook friend every episode. So that I'm not lying with that last statement, I have interviewed a, another Facebook friend for this episode. But before that, I'm giving you a double header episode. This first person I'm speaking to, um, I needed to get someone on short notice. He's not my Facebook friend. He should get Facebook, but he doesn't. No one's perfect. But um, here's what went down and here's why this is going down. By the way, awkwardwithevan.com is for all the episodes at awkwardwithevan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, this you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and support the podcast at patreon.com slash funnyevan. More on Patreon in between my interviews. Um, but here's what's going on. Uh, as you know, I'm a big Mike Francesa fan. I wrote a song about the guy. I played it in front of him. He left WFAN Sports Radio in December to <laughs> move on and do other things on a, on a less of a schedule. And uh, four months later, he has returned to WFAN, it appears, on a, a lighter schedule, which is uh, it's a little awkward. But then this is the perfect podcast for you. Um, I have a couple of Mike Francesa Facebook friends I could have gotten on, um, could not get their availability on such short notice. But there's a dude on Twitter uh, named Mike Cologne, uh, Mike in New Haven, who has a podcast called Miked in New Haven. And uh, he actually talks to a lot of the beat reporters of the New York area, which is pretty amazing uh, who he's gotten on his podcast and who he now uh, communicates with, uh, including Mike himself. Apparently, he has Mike's phone number. Um, I forgot to ask for it, but I think we have the same 516 area code. Um, so uh, I just wanted to get uh, Mike Cologne's take on Mike Francesa returning to WFVN radio, which is great because he obviously never should have left. Um, this is similar, obviously, people are saying to when Jay Leno left The Tonight Show, and because Conan wasn't doing that great, Leno came back for a few more years. Uh, this might be what's happening, but we'll find out with Mike Cologne. Um, before I get to that interview, um, I the second interview, why you should stick around, is I uh, interviewed a Facebook friend who I never messaged with before. I don't even think we ever spoke before, but he saw me perform, and he performed as well. Uh, when I was at Washington College in Chestertown, Maryland, um, probably back in 2010 or 11. And um, now he's like doing his acting thing. He's doing some other things. Uh, Joe David Rittenhouse on IMDb. Or no, his website is joedavidrittenhouse.com. But this is Joe Rittenhouse is my Facebook friend. And I didn't, I didn't know what our conversation was going to be, I thought maybe be like a, a five to 10 minute hello. And we just hit, hit it off. Um, we talked about, um, comedy and politics and podcasting and everything. And I think it was a really solid conversation. So definitely stick around for that. Um, probably one of my, my favorite interviews I've done. Um, and it's kind of why the podcast ha is happening. Um, but in the meantime, first breaking news, with my, my breaking news uh, non-Facebook friend correspondent, this is my talk with Mike Cologne. Okay, fine. This is Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. This is an emergency episode, such an emergency that I'm bringing on someone who's not even my Facebook friend. I will have a Facebook friend on later. But uh, this is uh, this is urgent. This is Christmas. I don't know what this is. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all at once. Mike Cologne of the podcast Mike in New Haven, as in Mike in New Haven, calling up Mike Francesa's show. Welcome. Let's make it like you're breaking the news. What have you learned from sources, Mike Cologne? I have, well, I almost got the scoop from Mike Francesa, but he wouldn't tell me anything earlier this month. But uh, what some friends of mine, Marshand, Andrew Marshand, the New York Post, Neil Best of Newsday, who have both been on my podcast before, and both will be coming on again very, very soon. Uh, first, it was Marshan yesterday that discussed that Mike was desperate to return to the New York radio airwaves and that WFAN was in play. Neil Best follows that up this morning with the column saying that Mike Francesa is coming back to WFAN. 
And the latest thing that we learned, it's the trifecta of New York media reporters. Bob Raisman of the New York Daily News is now saying that Mike's time slot will be 3 to 7 p.m. Your initial reaction? I said this on Twitter. I'll say it here. You know, I love Mike. I'm not where I am uh, right now with my own media career developing. (laughs) If it wasn't for Mike and some of the things he did for me, taking my calls all those years, you know, uh, having me in studio – uh, being on my podcast, you know, so he's done a lot for me. But him coming back to WFAN is going to be a very good thing for FAN. But the way that it's done uh, and the, some of the things that he's saying, it, it's concerning to me. Um, I did text him to say congratulations. He hasn't responded yet. I don't expect him to, to okay. be quite honest. But, um, you know, say what you will about CMB. I understand CMB isn't necessarily a favorite to all the WFAN listeners out there. I've gotten a lot of tweets saying how bad the show is, in their opinion. But th- this is not the right thing to do for CMB. It puts them in an extremely awkward and uncomfortable position uh, <laughs> to have the very man they replaced come back after only four months of being away from the airwaves. Right. Um, I-, I just think it's going to create a su- extremely uncomfortable dynamic at the station. And uh, I don't know if Raceman's sources are accurate. Take it at face value. I have sources of my own that can refute or uh, you know, confirm anything that I'm reading in the, in the papers, and I'll reach out to those sources within the coming hours. But Raceman did say, uh, this is a quote in, the, in his column, that it's, this is from one of his sources, it's no secret that uh, this would be an SHIT show if Mike came back. Uh, he wasn't exactly very well liked here. I'm kind of parapher- paraphrasing that quote. Yeah. So it's good for the fans, <laughs> but it's extremely awkward the way he came back. We have a saying uh, from Eric Bischoff of Wrestling Lore, controversy <laughs> creates cash. Oh, that and this one. is the most attention-grabbing way that Mike Francesa could ever pick his next step. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, like I said, I thought, and there had been some reports, Jimmy Traynor reported, for example, that uh, he had sources saying that Mike rejected a deal from SiriusXM that sounded like a good deal schedule-wise three days a week. <laughs> Uh, including some appearances with Dog on a part-time basis and an NFL show on Sirius's NFL channel, um, but that he turned it down due to money. Mike thought he had the leverage to negotiate for a high uh, salary, which he's not wrong given the fact he is a pioneer of sports radio. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't happening. And I, like I said, what makes it – it's one thing to say, you know what, maybe I left too early. Okay, that, that kind of puts it in perspective. And even though it's still awkward, it makes sense. You can put it together. The fact that Mike's saying that there's this conspiracy theory, that the, you know, the, the, he's saying that people are launching a campaign to not have him back on WFAN. <laughs> it's one thing to have coworkers that aren't too fond of you. I mean that's a life. Yeah. But there's this grand conspiracy going on preventing you from – uh, being at the station that you basically built, because three people built FAN. Mike's one of them. The other two are Mad Dog and Don Imus. Right. I, unless he knows something that we don't, and there really is something going on, that sounded a little nutty. Uh, man, I don't. How would you have? Could you have scripted? How would you have scripted Mike's next step? Where do? You, where would you have seen if FAN was in play? Paint his schedule for us. What? What would have been a, a calmer way of doing of his next step? I discussed this earlier. If he was going to come back to FAN, here's what you could do. I spoke to Joe Benigno on my podcast recently, and before he came on the podcast, we were having a conversation, catching up with one another. And Joe said, I asked Joe specifically, Joe, what do you think about the extra hour of the show? Uh, This was uh, off the air before we came on. And Joe made no secret about telling me, you know, I I, I don't love it. I could do without it. So if you're going to do that, it's no secret that Joe um, wants something different. Uh, in a couple years, when his contract is up with FAN, he is going to retire and, and go out to Florida, as he told me on the podcast. Right. So it, you have Boomer and Geo 6 to 10. Move Joe and Evan. You could do two things. You could put Joe and Evan back at uh, 10 to 1, have, uh, which works for Joe and his health. Uh, then you can have CMB come in and do 1 to 3 o'clock. And then you have Mike going head-to-head with Michael K doing the 3 to 7 show, which should be very interesting. It should be. Uh, but, or, or the second thing I would do, uh, but this is not going to happen now that he's doing the three to seven. Um, I would have done Drew and Geo six to 10 normal time slot, Joe and Evan 12 to two. Uh, Mike could have came in and, or CMB could have came in and did, uh, 10 to 12. No, no, no. Hang on. Joe, Joe and Evan 10 to 12, uh, CMB 12 to two. And Mike could have did two to five because since Schmoozer's getting preempted a lot by the live games, he could have had him come in and do five to six thirty. Hmm. 
I think the three to seven is better. He has less traffic this way. I think yeah. that down is down a little better after mm-hmm. seven. And I think uh, it's less of the rush hour when he has to go into the office. So it could work well. If it is the three to seven, uh, I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's uh, an awkward way of returning. But listen, I mean, Michael K <laughs> talked a big game after Mike left uh, and talked about the position that FAN's in and kind of made a mockery of it and, and kind of made a mockery of Mike. So, you know, it, there's an old song by Megadeth, one of my favorite bands, Here Comes the Record Day. And that's that's what's happening with Michael K. Here Comes the Reckoning Day because now <laughs> your bitter rival is not only back, but he's back in the exact same time slot. So, you know, who? I, and I told this to my guest earlier on my podcast, I feel incredibly bad for CMB, but I especially feel, I wonder what Carlin's thinking. Because if right. you remember... Carlin and Mike kind of have a very up and down relationship with one another. And notice the quote Carlin gave when he was asked about Mike when he was tapped to replace Mike originally back in December. Mike and I haven't spoken since 2010. Now that's <laughs> not accurate because they did speak in 2012 for the 25th anniversary. But you you have uh, the fact that Carlin was a foreign producer, but then you have what they recently what Mike and Dog recently said on High Heat. You also have the fact that, you know, you have that on very, very, and it's still very uncomfortable to listen to the, to, to this day, the clip where uh, Mike destroys Carlin over the Calhoun story. So to no, now have... That's the Calhoun story. That my, uh, Chris Carlin was uh, speculating that Jim Calhoun might retire. Mike brought him on. And this is, you can find that on YouTube. And okay. Mike destroyed him and hung up on him. So to have someone that I wouldn't call a rival, but someone that has been less than nice to you, yeah. Uh, come back all of a sudden, someone that you don't have a great relationship, come back all of a sudden. Uh, CMB, I, I will make this prediction, and this is just my speculation. I don't know any, I don't have any inside knowledge. The days of CMB are numbered. Nice. What do you, what do you think of the show independently of, of any, of everything? Just if I was tuning into FAN, give me, give me your take on CMB and then I'll give you mine. The truth is I haven't listened to CMB very much, not because I don't like those guys. I mean, there's a lot of people that I'm cool with at FAN, so whatever opinion I have, I would never uh, say it publicly about the show. Any observation I have, I'll, I'll keep it private just because I, I don't want to tick off those guys. They've been nothing but good to me. Good. Um, but that being said, uh, i got a lot going on in life right now. Good stuff, but I'm, I've been a busy guy, so I haven't gotten the chance to listen. But when I have listened, I personally don't mind the show. It doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't have that New York flavor to it, but they are competent. Uh, they don't, uh, they don't bore me to tears. They don't, uh, uh, I, I don't find them to be necessarily bad. They're just putting it as nicely as I can. They, they're not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, but I know they're trying, uh, and, and I know they haven't gotten their chemistry yet and that it, it'll take some time to develop that if they have that kind of time now that right. Mike's back. But, um, when I have listened, I basically I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Right. It, to me, and I mean, I, I don't have as much, uh, I'm not in as much with the station as you. Uh, I feel it's like three shows at once. They're each doing their own thing. Uh, I feel like Carlin is, you know, he always obviously drives the car and throws things out for the sake of throwing things out. Maggie right. is very smart, very mm-hmm. competent. And it seems like she's playing the role of an ESPN special analyst of like getting behind the scenes and digging. Mm-hmm. And Bart Scott, obviously football is his wheelhouse, but uh, to hear him for four hours a day, I don't think he's comfortable doing it, and I'm not comfortable listening to it. But that's just me. You say nothing. It, it, here, here's what I'll tell you, and this is not a bash against them at all, like I said, but it, when FAN was first starting out, the reason why FAN stumbled out of the gate back in the 80s is because they were bringing in national guys. Right. They were bringing in with national perspective when you needed the New York perspective. Then they brought in New York guys like Mike, like Chris, and a, and a few others, but right. they know eventually. And that's why FAN had the run that it did for so many years because you had guys that got it, that were from the area, that knew the teams and can give you a good take. And, and even so much as the New York accent plays right. a big role in it. And to they, FAN kind of strayed away from that formula by deciding to bring in uh, these three uh, and, and put it together, this trio. And although Carlin's got uh, a New York vibe to him to an extent, right. Carlin's not done work all over. So you don't have, when you don't have people that resonate locally, uh, like this trio hasn't been able to do yet, it's a problem from the start. And the fact that they're not going to have this growth period mm-hmm. or after a year, because remember, as Marshan reported, their deals are for two years. Right. And, you know, the fact that they're not going to be able to have a smooth growth period with Mike back that's what spells the doom for the show. And I'll tell you, two people killed this show. 
yeah. in my opinion, because the show's demise, in my opinion, is inevitable. Mike, for as much as I love him, yep. killed the show. The fans killed the show. Right. They're the ones that they they're the they're the ones that bit into the show's leg and in you know in, 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 infected the leg with uh, infected the show with fatal venom basically lots of rabies. Um, yeah. What do you think of I? Because I think with going back to the sounding like New York, I listen. I don't listen to him enough, but John Jastrzemski on uh, the station sounds like he could be like the next generation of those kind of guys. Like that's and- the kind of feel. When I was at my old uh, employer, I wrote about Jastrzemski, uh, and I said that you know I felt he deserved a shot. I still feel that way. I still feel like Jastrzemski deserved at least an audition uh, for the time slot, which that's another thing. They had a whole audition the whole summer, and now it doesn't yeah. even matter. Um, and CMB's on right now. I wonder if they've been given the gag order, uh, not to say anything. <laughs> Got to hear that opening, and I will on YouTube later. But uh, I, the fact that JJ never got an audition... Um, I felt, even though he's got the morning show, I felt Giannotti probably should have gotten an audition. Evan certainly got an audition. But, um, you know, the fact that they're not looking at those guys, younger guys, uh, and looking at talent that's New York-based is kind of, it, it surprised me. And listen, the idea of a three-man show is not a bad one. In my opinion, and this is no indictment on the personalities, it's just, like I said, the national mix, the national perspective versus the New York perspective. It's who you put in that three-man show. Like, I'm going to give you an example. W-E-E-I up in Boston. Right. W-E-E-I has three-man shows all over. Kirk and Callahan with a rotating chair of uh, third host. Right. Uh, Old Wayward Merloni and Fourier uh, in the midday. Then you have Dale and Keefe. They was Dale Holly and Keefe. Dale and Holly with Keefe for a while. Uh, and now Michael Holly left. So they had three voices that were Boston-centric. Uh, but also had uh, not just the knowledge of the Boston sports teams, but also had the Boston uh, vibe to them, the Boston-type personalities. And so that's why that station has had the rating success that it's had, despite uh, the recent controversies they've endured, which we don't need to get into. Yeah. So it's not a matter of the three-man show itself. The idea is not what went wrong. It's who you put there. Right. Cool. I want to just talk a little bit about just like the, the legend of Mike Cologne. Um, obviously you're still in college right now. You, uh, third kid? semester wrapping up my third semester. I'll be on vacation soon. My last day is May 9th and then I'm off till August. Good. Then you'll have a Francesa length vacation until you come back in the fall. <laughs> I uh, do. Started, how, when did you start calling in as Mike in New Haven? Uh, late 2013. My first call was to Steve Summers, uh, in November of 2013. It was a quick call. We talked about, cause this is a, this is the winter where the Yankees got Carlos Beltran, Jacoby Ellsbury and 13 year old me, uh, asked the <laughs> really, really deep journalistic question of can the Yankees win the AL East? Steve, <laughs> uh, Steve was nice enough and we talked for like two minutes and then, uh, that was it. And I just got the itch uh, a couple weeks after that. I made my first call to Joe and Evan, then to Mike. And, uh, from there I just kept calling Mike primarily. Cool. And then uh, eventually you got in with, with Monzo enough to you actually you got your way all the way into the studio. One of the, I assume that was an amazing experience. Oh, the person sure. who got on the air. Listen, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm not where I am right now if it wasn't for Mike. I'm so fortunate that, you know, I was where I was at that time to have gotten uh those kinds of uh, opportunities that I did. Um you know, I, I just, I, I'm very fortunate. It was an amazing experience. I got the chance to meet Mike three months prior at FrancescaCon, talk with him for a little bit. Uh, then I called him the Monday afterwards, and he uh, talked with me and invited me to the studio. And I came in, I told him, and, you know, off the air that my mother would be picking me up at four. Because uh, <laughs> it was 2.50, it was uh, you know, it was 2.50, three o'clock, and I had an hour left. And I was itching to get on the air because I knew, I felt in my heart that I would do a good job. Uh, and he told me jokingly, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll give you five minutes. If you're not good for those five minutes, you don't get a sixth. You don't get a seventh. You don't get an eighth. <laughs> so I looked at him and I said, you give me a chance. I'll give you gold. So Chernoff comes in a couple minutes later and he looks at me and he says, are you enjoying the show? In his typical Chernoff voice. Yeah. So I look at him. I'm like, yeah, you know, thanks for having me. It's been a great day. I can't believe I'm here. So as I'm saying that and waxing poetic. I hear Mike over the microphone say to Mons, Mons, send him in. Boom! I almost knocked poor Chernoff over, uh, <laughs> running, running in there. I hope he's not too mad at me. I get in there, and not only did I get a sixth, a seventh, and an eighth minute, I got a nineteenth and I got a twentieth. Nice. 
So it was a great experience. And, you know, like I said, Mike and I aren't best friends. No. Uh, but I, I think him and I have a cordial relationship. And whenever we do see each other down the road, I'm sure it'll be pleasant. Nice. Yeah. When I was there at Bar A, uh, I was expecting us to go on to like three or four. And then I show up at like one thirty, and they're like, you're going on at 2.15. And I'm like, what? Wow. So that had like to really just like get, get you just have to always be on call. And you didn't mention me in the song. I was disappointed. Bill, uh, Mike and Montclair. <laughs> I mean, Mike and New Haven, I have to think of rhymes. I mean, I yeah. obviously I've already rewriting my Mike Francesa song because there's no longer <laughs> a man from one to six. Yeah. There's now a man from three to seven who took time away from CMB and Joe and Evan. So that'll be the new <laughs> <laughs> good one. That's a good I one. Know. That'll be the new thing. I don't know if I'll go into the studio and find the guy and like dub over the new lyrics, but uh, at the very least, I'll 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 be on call for when that next Francesicon is. And uh, how many have you been to? How many Francesicons did you? I've only been to one. I went. I did not go to the first three last year. Francesicon four was my first Francesicon. Oh, maybe that was my only Francesicon. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I'll go back down the road. Right. Um, Right now, I mean, a lot of people are asking me now that Mike's back, uh, will you call in again? Will you call in again? Will you call in again? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But as far as going to events, I think I'm not going to do that anymore. I think I had my fair share. I think yeah. I got my taste in. Uh, and as far as calling in, I mean, like I mentioned, I got a lot of interesting stuff going on in life right now, including the podcast. It's really starting to take off. And yeah. I feel like I moved on at the right time Good. You know, from calling in. Are you still writing for Gotham Sports? Uh, Never mind. Um, next question. No, it's okay. I, I, I left in December on amicable terms, but let's just say right now there's a little bit of bad blood between both sides. Oh, it's like you're Carlin in there, Francesa, or the other way around. Uh, yeah, listen. Stuff in, man. It's okay. You could just ignore Next. All right. Just wave on the next caller. Uh, okay, so then we can hear your podcast, Mike'd in New Haven. Where, like, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Google Play? iTunes. iTunes. You can hear it on iTunes. You can hear it on Spreaker. If you have the Apple Podcast app, you can find it there as well. Right. Uh, MIC apostrophe D in New Haven is the name of the podcast. I speak mm -hmm. with prominent uh, members of the New York media primarily about uh, either the stories that are going on right now or uh, just about their careers and some of the notable stories they've covered. I have had Mike on the podcast. I've had Frank Isola, John Heyman, Howard ah. Beck. Uh, Damon Amendolara, Sid Rosenberg, Joe Bedigno, and uh, I do news as well. I had Tamson Fidel, if you watch WPIX uh, in New York City, okay. she's the anchor of the 5 and 10 o'clock news. So a lot of great guests have come on and got more guests along the way uh, that I'm looking forward to having on sometime down the road. We're working on uh, Keith, getting Keith Oberman on in May. Whoa! Uh, so it, it's a good podcast. It's taking off. I'm very content with it. And uh, MIC apostrophe D in New Haven, leave a five-star rate and review. All right, cool, man. Well, yeah, thanks for taking the time, even though we're not Facebook friends. But this is a, a good. This is good. I wanted to get your perspective, the fans' perspective, and uh, it's going to be fun enjoying seeing all these fan employees walking by each other the next few weeks and months. Uh, to, to be a fly on the wall for that, oh baby, I, I gotta, I gotta get, I get in on that, man. I, I gotta, I gotta see what's going on there. I'll work some sources over, and and I'll see what I can dig up. And what's your um your Twitter handle is? Cologne on sports, C-O-L-O-N on sports. All right. I dig it. Cool, man. You can stay online. Um, but for this interview, thank you for coming on Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. <laughs> no problem, man. I'll see you around. All right. I want to thank Mike Cologne for taking the time. Uh, might put that one up on YouTube as a video, but not sure yet. Seeing what I want to do with my bandwidth. Um, one way to help this podcast is through patreon.com if you go to patreon.com slash funny evan you will see uh why i do this podcast and ways you can help support for as little as a dollar a month you can support this podcast um i try to kick back some some gifts and perks your way whether it's an evan Excel cell phone wallet an awkward with army certificate uh being a contributor to the show a producer a consultation from me all those things are listed at patreon.com slash funnyevan. But if you like uh, this podcast and want to keep it rolling, uh, whatever you got, I will accept because I got to pay for some of these things uh, to do a podcast. Um, now, uh, moving on to my next guest, uh, Joe Rittenhouse. 
was nice enough to come on the podcast with me at about an hour notice. I messaged him an hour before we spoke, and he was game. And that that's what this is all about. Um, enjoyed talking with all kinds of things with him. Um, he asked some good questions about comedy with me, and uh, he he shared uh, you know he shared a good he shared a good viewpoint of a lot on a lot of things and uh, social media, the the climate we're in with everyone being angry all the time. And uh, he was a breath of fresh air, I must say. So, without further ado, here's my second interview, double header episode with Joe Rittenhouse. Okay, this is Socially Awkward with Evan Wexell, and this is why I do my podcast, is when I bring on Facebook friends who I have never messaged with, and we may have never even spoken since becoming Facebook friends, but I have a guess of how I know this person. But before that... Welcome, Joe Rittenhouse, to the podcast. Hello, Joe. Hello. Is this your first you podcast? It's not, but uh, what other podcasts the... have you done? Uh, I've done I I I've done some obscure like political ones and travel ones. Nice. Um, did with with people that I know, but I guess this is the first one that has any traction. So I, I... actually. <laughs> We have a modest two to three digit audience, but we'll see. You never know. What, exactly. What, you never know. I'll get spread. my foot in the door early, right? Yeah. So my, my guess is we know each other because you went to Washington College. That is correct. Uh, that is where I went. Because I saw your mutual friends that include like Jess Hobbs, yeah, uh, Corey uh, we, Holland. We did, the, we did the exact same thing. I was just like, all right, how do I know Evan? Let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's dive into this. All right. Washington College. Okay. Yeah. I went to Okay. There we go. That's where I went. Because I, I, I hosted this comedy week and I was, yeah. And were you a judge? I was one of the contestants. Oh, good. What did you do on stage that time? Um, I, I did. Oh, my God. It's so long ago now that I think about it. Um, I did. I did some stand up about I told some stories. Yeah. Uh I have I have a really bizarre life and different stories and I just told, you know, stupid things and uh I I I think I ended up I guess tying with one of the other one of the other groups. So it was oh, wow. a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I remember it really really fondly. So it was a it was a good time. The the, the comedy week they had at that that school was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think like the winner like open for it was Nick Swartzen, I think that, that is year. correct. I I think I yeah I still have that ticket nice. somewhere in my like I has a ticket. I had him sign the ticket after I did the like the performance with him. Oh and wow! I, uh, yeah yeah, pretty neat. So I uh I, somewhere around here, but man, yeah that man that takes me back. <laughs> I haven't even thought about that in a long time. That's that's the purpose of the podcast. Um, so are you're from Pittsburgh or you're in Pittsburgh? No, so I. So I went. So I actually never finished school at WAC. Okay. I, uh, um, it's really funny. So I was there for two years, and then um, WAC is Washington College, for right? Those in Bal- in Chesterton, Maryland. Chestertown, Maryland. Yes. It's uh, li- there are more cows than people. It's a beautiful school. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I actually really loved it. And if had had I had the chance to go back, I probably would have finished there. But um, I I got called in a different direction, and like I felt like uh, I was going to school for politics, and I just realized how much I hate politics. Yep. And uh, so I decided I wanted to go for what I really liked, which was comedy and acting and things like that. And so I got I went to a conservatory, a really great conservatory in Pittsburgh called uh, Point Park Conservatory uh, for the performing arts. And uh, so I went out, went out there uh, like two years after going into WAC, did another four years there and mm-hmm. uh, graduated with a BFA and then jumped straight into the acting stuff. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, actually. Oh, OK. But uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has a special place in my heart. Nice. Where have where have your acting travels taken you? Uh, uh, OK, well, um, we have time. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, so I did. Uh, I so probably the most notable things that you would know i i've been i've done stuff all over the east coast i did stuff in the west coast you know stuff like that cool just minor stuff but probably the bigger things i was in dark Knight rises whoa uh that was that's probably the biggest one uh, i had a speaking role in a movie called the last witch hunter with vin diesel and michael Caine <laughs> and elijah wood rose leslie it was fun that's i awesome. did a few independent films like all raccoons or bandits um i just actually just I guess two days ago, I just got off the set of Creed two. Um, nothing big. It was just a day day player role, but like, okay. yeah, I, so I've been keeping going and then I've been doing a lot of theater. I enjoy theater a lot. And then, uh, I'm actually in the process of working on a comedy show right now. Oh, nice. So, yeah. 
And so there's a Joe Rittenhouse on IMDb? Yes, there is. Okay. But it doesn't have a picture up there because I refuse to pay for that. Right. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I eventually just caved and got the pro that's, resume, I'm, whatever I, it is. I need to do it. I'm just I'm just find a million other things I want to spend my money on other than a picture on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm debating on like whether to pay someone in like Pakistan to do my Wikipedia page over. You know, but you, uh, you listen, it's totally worth it. I'm guarantee you can find somebody. You can find somebody on the internet to do anything. No, no, I, I have someone. I just don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to pay them that much of what they yeah, say. Yeah, I hear you. Um, because I pretty much like I had a I had a crappy pay, little page like of a couple of paragraphs, and then I tried mm-hmm. to make it better, and then it was taken down. Uh, oh wow! So uh, I have it like rewritten, like a little more notable, but. I don't want was to put it, it up myself because that's like a conflict of interest. Oh yeah, obviously you want you want yeah that makes sense. I I don't understand the fine workings of Wikipedia, but I understand yeah, that so there's weird. like, oh yeah, there's so much politics that goes into it. I didn't realize this until very recently. Yeah, so that's really really interesting. Yeah, but down the road. Uh, okay, so the Pittsburgh. Well, you're from Philly, or you're. Right, so wait, so where are you now? Then are you you're in Pittsburgh? I'm current. I I'm currently back in Philadelphia. Okay. Um. I but I work in washington dc at the moment my day job is in washington dc okay so, um, so you commute every day or you just i commute you- once a, i commute once a week so okay. once a week i can do everything from my home and then i have to go i um i run a i run a travel company now nice. like, to supplement my acting yeah it's 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 really fucking oh i'm sorry yeah well. uh, it's really really nice it's really <laughs> really good i uh it <laughs> i wasn't sure if i i could swear or not but um, uh, probably i'll i might bleep it but you know we'll, we'll play it by ear Right. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, I run a travel company and it gives me all the, the time to do, uh, all my traveling and stuff on top of all the acting. So it's nice. I just have to go, I work with like consulates and stuff. So like once a week I go wow. down and I go to like the Chinese consulate, the Russian consulate, the Uzbekistan consulate and like <laughs> go through each of them and like do all the visas that I have to do. Oh, so what's the what's the travel aspect of it? Then you're not like it's not like you're plant you're like a you're not a travel agent or anything like no, that. No, no, no. no. I, I couldn't. You, you couldn't pay me to be a travel agent. It's <laughs> such a such a such a strange job to me. No, I do. So I I, we, I work with travel agents, and I don't envy them at all. But um, I do uh, visa work. Oh, so okay. it, it's a it's a company called the Visa Machine, and what we do is let's say you want to go to Russia, but you don't want to have to go into the embassy and get fingerprinted and do all the the paperwork that's required. Okay, you can just outsource it to us, and we do it all on your behalf, and we have like special agreements with each of the consulates. And so I generally deal with Asia a lot. So okay. I like China, Russia. Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Turkey. Uh, Where's Turkmenistan? Turkmenistan. So if, um, Iran is like center. If you if you're looking yeah. at the Middle East, right? You've got Syria. I'm just Syria is probably the most where people know. So Syria. Then you move over to like past to Iraq and then to Iran. Turkmenistan is on the north eastern side of iran it it's like bordering afghanistan and uzbekistan it's smashed between it's the weirdest country i was there in 2016 it's so neat but it's a it's a it's a weird place well have you been to any of these places that you've worked with oh wow okay i've yeah i've been to 20 or 31 countries i think now but yeah i did 22 in 2016 because i I did a thing called the Mongol Rally, which I highly recommend if someone likes to travel. I drove from a a thing. I drove from London Mm -hmm. to Mongolia and back. Whoa! Um, So it's like ten thousand miles there, ten thousand miles back, and (laughs) just went through. Do you stay on the same side of the road the whole time, or do you have to? No. Well, actually, yeah, it is. It is the same side of the road as the states everywhere except the UK. So the problem was we like bought a british car so our car is a british and we're on the wrong side of the car but the second we cross the pond you know get across the the channel yeah. we're on the the where it's completely normal for us except for the car so i had to you know it was such a bizarre experience where where do you do you still where do you still want to go are there company other countries you want to check off oh yeah i I'm, <clears throat> I'm me and my girlfriend are trying to do a lot of travel um yeah. Well, I was supposed to. And don't tell my parents this. Sure. I was supposed to do North Korea in twenty seventeen. Oh, yeah, no, I I was supposed to, but with all the stuff that was going on, they canceled. So you have to go. Like, um, I've been to Iran, and it's a similar setup where you have to 
go with a guided tour. Right. So what it's like somebody comes along and says, oh, all right, you you have like somebody sits in your car with you or right. takes you to hotels and watches you the whole time. Right. It's not a huge deal. But North Korea, it's like they're much stricter and you have to apply beforehand. Well, none of the companies that do the tours will take Americans at the moment. Right. Um, and now that might change soon because uh, I've been like I said, I do visa stuff. So I'm learning all this. <laughs> I'm learning all this stuff as it comes out like everybody else. But uh I was supposed to do that, but they canceled our tour. So right now, I have I have no idea where I want to go. I have this really strong desire to go to Antarctica. I, I oh, want to go to places cool. that yeah. Do people go to Antarctica. You have to go to Argentina first. Okay, so you fly to Argentina and then you, you take a, a boat. Yeah, you take a boat and wow. it'll take you out there. And it takes about it takes about like two days on the boat, Oof. and then you're there in Antarctica for like I, I want to say a day, and you stay on the boat, and then you come back. And it's, I mean, it's a neat thing, but it, they do it all the time now. It's a pretty big, like, like new age, new edge kind of touristy thing. Do you so, stay, are there, so is like Antarctica inhabited or is it more just like you, you go just there as an excursion? Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like an excursion. It's more researchers and there's mm. stuff like that. And the, I, right. don't, I don't know like the trees and laws like governing how it works, but right. it's so divided up and everything like that. But Argentina has this booming tourism industry of like, <laughs> you want to go see, you want to go see the South Pole? Let's get on a wow. let's get on a boat. Yeah, so I really want to do that. I I don't know where else I want to travel at the moment. Would but the I'm, North Pole then be a thing, or is that less realistic? I mean, I guess you could do it. I it's not really a country. It's literally just ice. Yep. So it's it's a ma- I guess it would be a matter of like how you would do it. I I haven't even ever thought about it. But now you've you piqued my interest. Yeah. I'm gonna. Um, but I, yeah, I there you can get pretty close to it, if, like in Russia and stuff like that, and um, parts of Canada. But you you have like to get to those parts, you've got to go really far north, and it's really hard. It's not like you can just take a road, you know what I mean, to get there. Have you been to Saudi Arabia? I have not. Okay, I have Saudi Arabia. I have not been to, and if it's anything like now, it's, if it's anything like Iran was, it's it's I probably wouldn't despise it but it's very very it's a total culture shock it's a real culture shock to go to a place where there's like islamic law so you have to just like dress a certain way and your girlfriend would have to like was dress a certain way i guess yeah or? yeah so when we were in when we were in iran i i can see i can speak to that because i was there so i it's hard right. for me but and it, like they're different sects of islam obviously but um i we had i had to wear long pants even okay. though it was like 117 degrees <laughs> you can't wow. Yeah, I know. And then she had to wear a hijab and she had to wear loose fitting clothing that like distorted the curvature of their bot of a woman's body. Wow. So you can't like you can't like wear tight fitting clothing and wear a hijab. They still will yell at you. And actually we got in trouble. One of the girls in our group that we went with got in trouble for that. And it was a big it was it was like almost an international incident. Wow. Um, Yeah, she didn't have her stuff. She she was um. She was a Canadian girl, and she didn't. She wasn't dressed properly. I get in in the minds of them, yeah. and she got um, she got cornered by the religious police, and they start yelling at her in Farsi. They're like, and Oof. she has no idea. She has no idea what they're doing, and uh, the tour guides are freaking out because obviously, if one of their the, one of their guy their their you know, um, the tourists that they take is gets in trouble, they're in trouble too, and so these police grabbed her and put her in the back of a police car, and. Uh, it was this weird scenario where like, what the heck is going on? But I, I have this British friend of mine, his name's Pav. He's like this bigger Indian dude and he just doesn't take no, no crap for anybody. (laughs) And he opened the other side of the car door and pulled her out of the police car and the cops lost their minds. And like, (laughs) so now it's this huge yelling match and this like crowd started to gather and eventually like the crowd like came to the defense of the girl in our group. And uh, like yelled off, yelled off the police, and eventually the crowd was like, "Get out of here!" And they like you know sent us on our way. But it was terrifying. It was wow. I, it was it was like it. I've never seen anything like it. That's that's ridiculous. Wow. That's, yeah, that's you, you, you don't. It's such a weird thing. You never you don't expect it to happen, and then all of a sudden you're witnessing it, and you're just like, "Holy crap!" Wow. So. What um what made you go away from politics? Why? Because you've been on obscure political podcasts, but what? Uh, yeah. I well, I I just don't like. <laughs> I I tend to be a really chill dude. At yeah. least I think in my I have like really strong opinions and convictions and stuff. But sure. I just people are just so mean. <laughs> just and like I I just kind of got tired of that. I yeah. I 
did a bunch of campaigns and like I'm I've always been more to the right like right leaning than I have to the left and right. I've been in all this like you know but I'm an artist so I'm in all this like sure. pretty left wing environments and stuff like that sure. and I would my, and my girlfriend is super left wing and like we 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 were like she was the college democrat and I was the college republican and we like <laughs> fell in love it was like a good group but man it's like Romeo people and Juliet <laughs> it, no exactly exactly it felt, it felt like it but it was so it was so awkward just to be around people who did not like us because we we, for different opinions and i just got tired of it and i was just like you know you can only take so many people yelling at you for something (laughs) a day that you're just like okay goodbye i'm done yeah i'll probably run for office next year but we'll see (laughs) i would i don't know like i'm i joined the the libertarian party nice so what i'm trying to do is just more just give the third option but yeah, uh, I haven't. I just haven't been. I haven't been in any meetings, and uh, I mean, I've spoken to like a recruitment f- person for like running for office. But there's like three tiers of running for office, mm-hmm. and the the lowest uh, gradient of it would be just being a paper candidate. So I'd probably just. Yeah. I, I live in California, so I'd probably just be a. Probably I'll find a way to be a paper candidate in 2019 somewhere. Yeah, that's a smart move, man. I I'd love that. I would love to break that two party system thing yeah. up. That that'd be. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't know if, if you followed my Facebook stuff. Like, I'm big on wrestling, and it's for me, it's just like, this is all just wrestling. It's like, I'll have the championship belt. Then in eight years, you'll have the championship belt. Yeah. And then we just switch it back and forth. I'm like, eh, let's see. Let's <laughs> uh, let shake, shake it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I voted for Gary Johnson just for the sake of like trying to get 5% of the popular yeah. vote. Um, but the dude was like, like, libertarian force gump so i i can i just say i was so disappointed with gary this time he was just i just he was just a goofball and it was yeah. just like oh gary yeah he did fun stuff on conan he's just like but he has like you know he has his things to say when being interviewed and uh i actually thought his running mate was was he's more of a running mate is more of a dinosaur but like he was a smarty yeah. pants and knew his stuff Rob, what was it will william weld well yeah. Willie, that's who it was but yeah yeah i don't know uh I don't know much about anything. I would just kind of go there. It's just someone I've, I've seen like Samantha B cover the, or maybe on daily show, maybe cover libertarian convention. And it looks kind of like half, like, I don't know. It's like, I know exactly. I, you know, they had that, they had that one guy who got naked the one year and started (laughs) dancing. And I was just like, all right, but they're like, they have some really good conversations. I've watched it before. And then, and then, but then it all gets ruined. Like one guy who comes in and goes, I'm going to strip now. (laughs) <laughs> exactly so that's hey that's really cool man i i wish i had the the fortitude to run for office i if i did i, I would my worry is that i would just say too many stupid things oh I, <laughs> they would find so much about me online already oh, like i'm so, like so what so what I exactly to, i don't have to give it like that's the thing you, you may hate trump but at least trump like never like quit he's like oh I guess, so yeah. what i grabbed her so i want i said <laughs> it on the bus so what? i'll be i'll keep running that's that's the what the amount of balls that it takes to be the person who just goes, yeah, no, you move. No, I'm good. You <laughs> you, you move. I'm fine. I I have a lot of respect for you. It doesn't matter left or right. <laughs> just somebody goes, this is what I believe, and I'm not changing it. Yeah. I yeah. Um. Cool. Uh. Since it's our our first conversation ever, um, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. So so how how is this podcast life for you? How is the Oh, it's, 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 it goes, it comes and it goes. Um, it just depends on, uh, you know, how many, like if I'm building up interviews for the pipeline or if I just want to like do something that's like happened urgently and I need to like throw one up, I can, but I've been kind of doing this for maybe about a year and a half. That's awesome. And, um, so yeah, it's been about 70 Facebook friends and that's kind of crazy. We're trying to go for like over 4,000. So that's, Hey dude, like the amount of, like I said, the amount of balls that it takes to come into to to a, a random person and be like, "Do you want to come on a podcast?" <laughs> like, I'm sure there's a bajillion people you message and they just no goodbye, yeah, thank you. That's the most. I mean, if someone says no and I don't know them, then I like I'll unfriend them. Like that's not a exactly. Problem. What's the but what's if it's the someone point? I know, like oh fine, that's no big deal. But that's actually been like pretty successful. Whether it's like after a show or middle of the day, like hey, who wants to do? Who's online? Where's the exactly. green dot? By people, okay. Let's hey, hit hey, up the green that's dots. not a that's that's a great way to that's a great way to go about it, man. Yeah. 
So. That's that's really really cool. I uh, I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat. I'm I, like I'm working on a comedy show for YouTube, and cool. it's it's stressful. Like doing creative stuff like this is is hard. Yeah, just it brings you know you get you get really really focused on something, and then you uh, little things can like set your whole mind off onto other tangents and. You know, I, so I don't envy you at all. Like you're doing a good job. <laughs> um, then you're is it going to be like what episodic thing you're doing? For... Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen you? You seen you? We you mentioned earlier. Ever seen the Daily Show? Yeah, sure. You remember the Daily Show was good. Yeah, remember <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I do think Trevor Noah's found his voice a little more, and like the, the I, crowd buying is buying in now. There's like a new generation, but you know, like every day leads with Trump, so like fine. But that's a, yeah, I I. That's my biggest. That's my biggest problem. Is I, I. Yeah, go ahead. I know I had a, a really strong love of John Stewart back in the day. Yeah, totally. He was just such a good. And maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm the dinosaur and just like not accepting, no. you know. But uh, I, I, I just get really tired of like comedy that's uh, safe. Yeah. And like no one can talk. Like I just watched um this documentary and I can't recommend it enough called uh, uh why can't we take a joke. Oh, is that and like with a, Gilbert Gottfried? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I gotta watch yeah. that because yeah. it's so good. It's on. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Okay. But they like they go through all these different situations in which comedians had to apologize for jokes, or did they apologize, or why? You know, and it's not just comedians. It's also they go to like they go to like college comedians who are you know literal nobodies, and they 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 they're just starting their career off, and they like interview students and and uh you know business firms and they mm -hmm. they do this one lady who i i i remember when this happened she tweeted something back in the day she tweeted she was she was a south african woman and she was flying from the uk to south africa and she had tweeted jokingly she's like mm -hmm. i'm going to africa hope i don't get aids is what she <laughs> tweet and right. then she's like and she put jk i'm white turned her phone off oh that's horrible oh yeah, yeah i remember no, this no. i remember this happened yeah yeah okay she turned her phone off yep and she is south Af like she is african like right. people didn't realize that she is african so she made a joke gets on this flight and she gets off the flight and her phone just doesn't stop buzzing for like minutes and they she like went into hiding after this because like they got her job taken away her family like disowned her she like had to move out of the uk and like people were sending her death and it was so it was so sad because it was like she whether or not it was funny mm -hmm. it's like the intention behind it was i was trying to make myself or someone else laugh and like the context of that and they just go into all these scenarios of like Man, when did we when did we stop laughing? And it's a really good documentary, and it yeah. like kind of inspired me to go off and be like, "All right, I want to do something where I can laugh at everybody, and uh, you know, <laughs> not not have to worry about you know nonsense." So I mean, I feel like say, it's just like a Twitter thing. I feel like yeah, it's like Twitter is just the the creator of that kind of movement. It is. It is. I, I my I I'm not a fan of Twitter. I don't, do you yeah. have a Twitter? Oh yeah, I need it. Yeah, I mean, I totally like. It's more like to follow things. Like I don't get like much engagement as much as mm -hmm. on other platforms. But yeah, I mean, I do it for the news and like sports or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I I had a Twitter. Started <laughs> started to use my Twitter, and then I it was this is back in the day when I was in into politics like a mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. I would get, I would tweet at people, and I would just get sucked into arguments or oh, like yeah. dumb. And I would try and you try and be witty because you've only got 120 characters <laughs> at the time. Yeah, at the time, and so you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna write something so freaking witty, and and I just get sucked into it. And then like years later, pa I it passed, and I got into a conversation with a random person at a bar. And they looked me up on a twit on Twitter and saw a bunch of my stuff that I had posted year like years yeah, ago. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, uh, so tell me about this. And I was like, oh man. So I I've like purged my Twitter <laughs> because I I was blown away by the amount of stuff that I that like that time that took out of my life. So yeah, Twitter. But Twitter, it you you are right. It is that social media, you know. You know what stuff. I had? I had recently, uh, I, I did a fundraiser at my college, uh, Tufts mm -hmm. near Boston. Yeah, yeah. And I had like, uh, the president at the time, uh, showed up and he did like a comedy bit with me and it was really funny. And there was one thing that like he said that like, I guess like a few months ago, this is like n nine years after it happened. He, like, cause I guess the guy left Tufts now he's like the president of Harvard. Oh, and, wow. And this like Boston publication's like, 
Um, I wanted to write in or maybe speak with you about what he says here from like 117 in your video to 131 in your video, uh, because it was a little, little bit of an off color comment. And, uh, and he like, he contacted my, this guy contacted my agent, my managers and all that. And, uh, I, I like, Hmm, what do I do with this? So I go into my YouTube video and the cool thing about YouTube videos now is you can just like edit out portions. So like, Mm -hmm. I've been like going through all my old YouTube videos and just like cleaning stuff up just because it makes the video either funnier or less offensive. Right. Right. Like in 2008, like I was like, oh man, I was a, I was a filthy man, but, um, I still am for the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I I could, I could totally be too. And, but it's just like, I wouldn't, if stuff like the videos I did in 08 would not fly in 2018, but, um, I just like edited out the clip the guy was asking about. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. nah, forget it. I'm not gonna let you go there. I'm just going to prevent him from doing that. And then he's like, did you take that part out? Were you asked to take that part of the video out? And I'm like, no, I'm just cleaning up my stuff. So I kind of like put the kibosh on his whole like gotcha mentality. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. That, so going back to what you, you yeah. said earlier, I just because I, yeah. I love talking about comedy and I sure, love talking about sure. like people. So like do you what what is your what's your take on like, as somebody who's like in it what's your take on like the whole r- nature of like offense and you know it, it like you said like stuff in 08 wouldn't fly in 18 yeah, i have um, i i mean obviously you kind of with me i just i learned stuff just like after the shows when people yeah. like remember that like one 10 second thing you said out of a one hour show yeah so you have to course. like obviously adjust accordingly but with me, I mean, it's been more of like an inner struggle of just like, can I say this? Can I write this? Because with me, like the, the hard thing and that, that what, like really to be, I think, a next level comedian is the comedian that can like be funny, but also like set a good example. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do more of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still want to like, you know, if someone deserves a little like barbs, some barbs, I'll, I'll throw some barbs at them. But, you know, I don't have like my sarcasm is one of my best qualities, but you know, I don't want to get caught in like the whole any like anti uncomfortable. I'm not just not going to talk about those issues. So. Yeah, well, that that it's so interesting. Like for me, because like the whole purpose of the show that I'm working on is like essentially to offend everyone. Sure. And like be in this, but at the same time, I totally get like there are so many good comedians out there who don't like that's not their style. Like who do, who's the guy? Brian Regan. Right. He does, totally. He's so good and, and he's so clean. Like you can listen yeah. to him with your parents. Like he's just a really funny dude. Um, but like I, I'm, I'm like. The, I don't know. I'm just in this weird spot right now where I'm trying to find my voice in comedy. Right. And I, uh, and a lot of what I like is like that, that, that edgy humor. <laughs> that's a little, you know, yeah. a little off the cu- cuff, but like has a grain of truth in it and stuff like that. But it's hard. Like, especially now, like yeah. you walking on landmines and I feel like, yeah, the box I'm, I think is smaller now. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Cause I haven't been in, in clubs as much recently, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. like what the vibe is like in clubs. Like I'm going to do a show, at a restaurant like next month. So I'll, oh, awesome. but I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'll do like half an hour, which isn't going to be too much of an issue, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what like that. I might not, there may only be like two comedians on the show. So I'm not sure like what other people talk about, but I don't know. I kind of, I, I just kind of thought I just do what I think is funny to me, but I mean, that's, I'm, not, I mean, I'm that's curious goal, what the clubs right? are still like. Like I, I, I say this to my girlfriend all the time, especially when she tells me not to laugh at things. I'm like, I don't laugh. I don't make jokes. I don't make jokes for anybody but myself, man. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm living the dream here because everything I think is funny is hilarious. Yeah. To me. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm like, I'm kind of leaning. I've, I've been st- talking with, um, the, the producer for this and we're, you know, we're going through different ideas and things like that. And I think one of the things we're talking about doing is like essentially a, a no apologies policy. Okay. And I'm, it's, I'm, I'm really nervous about it because like it, that, that's a strong, you know, like that's a, it, it, like I said earlier, like I, I admire that in people, but that's a, as a comedian who's trying to, you know, start stuff out. That's such a, whew, it's intimidating to be like, I will never apologize. I think the like, biggest struggle is also just like, where's the money coming from? Cause if exactly. you say things and the money's coming from like, you know, PC corporations, then you, yeah. you can't, it's not, you got to kind of do what they say. But you know, if you're just like funding your own thing or just like, it's just free stuff you're doing. Um, I mean, it may pay 
not pay off like later on if they look back on this stuff and then while you're making it big, but you know, who knows? Like exactly. You just it just like if you're just doing this on your own time and just being funny and offensive, like go for it. I just well, yeah. I mean now like obviously I watch a comedy show and like if I hear something inappropriate, it's like you know like, oh, I would have laughed at that in two thousand three, but not now. But yeah, you, yeah. I'll still laugh at it for old time's sake. But that, that's see, that's that's uh, yeah, I totally get that. And we it's, have that it's dual one, voice now. We have that second like like thought police voice going on now. That's I know. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I totally I totally get it. And like you're right. It's there's it's in a tragic way. There's this element of like you know you got to feed your kids and you got to yeah. like have a life that that you can like survive off of. And if uh, sure if. You're the the people writing checks and or the the clubs or the places you're at right. say you know that doesn't fly and they won't take you back if you keep doing the joke you know yeah it, you're eventually you're 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 self you have to self censor yourself even if they're not deliberately outright telling you like right don't say this so I totally get it there's um yeah there's a really good there's a really good uh, example of that this guy named um Bassem Youssef have you ever heard of the no. guy. I haven't heard of he's, him. He's an Egyptian comedian, and okay. essentially, he he did um he did a show called the show. It was mm-hmm. called it, it was the show was called Basen Yemek, and uh and it's the show called the show. Right. Anyway, it's in Egypt, and it was like the Daily. It was very much like the Daily Show. It was political satire and mm-hmm. sketches and comedy, and it was making fun of the news in Egypt mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was the most popular show in the Arab world, ever, ever. How, wow. So how many people watched? Do you think watch John Stewart at his height? Another, uh, if you had to think, yeah. five million. Five million. That's yeah. It's about four to five million. Right. Um, was his was his peak, and then he got about his average was anywhere from two, three to four. Yeah. Bossem brought in forty million people a night. <laughs> Whoa. Well, you think about that, like that's that's insane. And it was because he was the only comedy show in the like all of the Arab world, wow. and he was just making fun of uh, the Egyptian government, and he's like. A lot of people credit him with um, taking down uh, a lot of the, uh, Mubarak and a lot of the dictators wow. in, in Egypt. And he's really, really neat. But then they um, he got replaced, or the after all these dictators, you know, rotating through, uh, this guy named General Sisi comes in. He's the he's the current leader of Egypt, and mm-hmm. uh, he was so you know he was loved he, by everybody that all the people who said your jokes are really funny were like, now, nah, but he's off limits. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> You know, he's like he's a comedian. He's like, no, I'm not. It's not off limits. And they uh, charged him with all this stuff, and he had to flee to the U.S. So he's in like he's in uh, he's doing comedy right now in the U.S. to survive. But uh, <laughs> it's a really like he's a huge figure, and nobody knows about him. And I, that, and, and he, he's known for so basically he's like he's like a, he's wanted for crimes in his own his homeland. Yeah, for wow. he's wanted for the for I think it's blasphemy against the the leader and blasphemy against Islam. Yeah, and he. You know, he's I mean, he's he has his own book out now. It's called Tickling. Gi- well, the movie's called Tickling Giants that I that yeah. I Solomon. But he has a book out called like Making Fun of Dictators. And he, he he's a really and I got to meet him. At, he was at Penn State and I went to go see him speak because I was, you know, trying to learn more about my comedy. Yeah. And watching him speak was pretty incredible because he he just he knows how to he's classy. Like we were talking earlier, like there's a way to do a joke and like to not offend, you know, you right. laugh about it 10 years ago. He he makes the same jokes, but he does it in such a way that makes me go, all right, I'm on board. Like he can <laughs> bring anybody on board. It's a really, really the boss. I'm Yusuf. Like okay. really neat dude. Really, really neat dude making his own way in the world now. So it's kind of neat. Cool. I will, I will look him up. Yeah. Um, he's funny. Cool. So, so if people want to to check you out, they'll be they can obviously find you on Facebook. Any other way that like is there stuff online if people want to uh, watch your your acting stuff? So, um, um, well, the let's see. Uh, my website is josephdavidrittenhouse.com. Okay. Um, my uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think where else on Instagram. I'm just Joe underscore Rittenhouse. That's probably where you'll see me now. I don't okay. use Twitter anymore, but I'm okay. still Joe Rittenhouse there. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Facebook, uh, I mean, if this, that's just me, but aside from that, like you can find anything, anything there. So very, very nice. Cool, man. We'll stay on. Uh, but okay. yeah, but thanks for taking the time. This was super interesting. And, Absolutely. uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we, we caught up when we catch up. We just spoke. Because we didn't catch up on anything. Why, why, why the heck not? Right? Why the heck not? 
All right, that was Joe Rittenhouse, joedavidrittenhouse.com. Um, definitely check out his stuff. Keep an eye on his new YouTube comedy uh, series, I guess, he's working on. Um, thank you guys for checking out this episode. Um, I am, I'm in, in the 70s of Facebook friends I've interviewed, and so now I am looking for more, and I will continue to hit people up, continue to feed my friends to you. Um, if you like this podcast, go to awkwardwithevan.com. Follow on social media at awkwardwithevan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, write a five-star review on iTunes, and that would be pretty amazing. Uh, In the meantime, stay awkward. Thanks for listening. Go to awkwardwithevan.com to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Now for Evan's mom to pick out his clothes for tomorrow. See you next time on Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. 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 Wexel.